Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership on Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest Sullivan Newsom. Cadet Newsom is the Regimental Commander of the South Carolina Corps of Cadets for academic year 2023-24, and will be talking to us about the training of the incoming class the importance of senior mentors, and how the Citadel is just not your ordinary college experience. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening from the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. This podcast was sponsored in part by our friends at Spider. Thanks for joining today's Leadership on Demand podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to another edition of the Leadership on Demand podcast. We are thrilled to have with us today the Regimental Commander for Academic Year 23-24, Sullivan Newsom. Sullivan, welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, this is a really wonderful time of year at the Citadel. Why don't you, why don't you tell our audience what's happening at the Citadel right now, uh, what your role is, and kind of how it's going. So, so far, we've completed CLDT, which is our Cadre Leadership Development Training. Uh, that's about a week and a half where cadre gets on campus, we get a Paris Island for a day, kind of just teaching the basics of this is how you're going to conduct yourself as cadre. You go from FERPA stuff, HIPAA, everything that kind of involves, you know, important information that you may need to be aware of. And then we got through matriculation day, which was Saturday. So matriculation day is just a lot of the administrative stuff, uh, you know, getting their haircuts, getting the uniforms issued to them, making sure they're getting sized correctly, checking the sizing so we don't have kids walking around it. Uniforms that are either way too big or way too small. Sunday is a little bit of the same. They start learning basic drill maneuvers, and then we get in challenge week. That's when they meet their cadre on Monday morning. Is that this upcoming Monday no, morning? No, it's past Monday. Okay, so this has happened. This has happened, yeah. Okay. So we're we're done with challenge week. We start classes tomorrow. Uh, these past two days have just been meetings, class-specific. The seniors, juniors, and sophomores met with the commandant and the sergeant major. Kind of heard what they had to say, expectations, everything that's going to be expected of us this year as well as what we can expect from them and then today was a lot again we had a convocation knobs got to go to that got to see how that all works and what is convocation see i'm not really sure about the first semester convocation <laughs> um i don't remember having well, where it. was it it so, was so in the field house imagine you are imagine you know you're not talking to me here as a citadel staff member but you're talking to that 17 year old prospective student or their parents so it's in the field house, which is basically the basketball gym. Right, basketball arena. Uh, that's where we hold convocation, graduation. Uh, we used to hold the ring ceremony in there, but now that's held in the chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you do the cha- the ring walkthrough in okay. the field house. So it's kind of like the pinnacle on campus for a lot of big events, sure. a lot of our fact, greater it's issues. The, it's the only place on campus I think that can fit the entire Corps of Cadets. Yeah, which is, a, no, which is, is the reason we do things in there. Right. So uh, You can certainly imagine... Uh, over time, a space that could hold the Corps of Cadets in a different type of environment. Um, so just backing up a little bit, you know, you, you covered so much ground so quickly because obviously as the regimental commander, you have so much to, to be responsible for and so many things are happening. But you talked about the cadre. What is the cadre 
how many people are the cadre and what, what is their role here at the Citadel? So our cadre is, can, uh, is made up of eight sophomores. They're now called team leaders. Four so- uh, juniors that are called squad leaders. One junior, that's your platoon sergeant. One senior, that's your platoon leader. They're basically entrusted. So every company. Every company. Has that many. So yes, across 21 companies right. times that many. Companies. All of them have to go through a rank board, get interviewed by their TAC and their battalion TAC. They're hand-selected. They have a week and a half of training when they get back, but they also have academies during second semester that kind of teaches them their roles and responsibilities. And really, CLDT is kind of a refresher and then starts to teach them how to teach the incoming class. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a great job this year. been super professional. The, I've been super pleased with everything I've seen. Mm-hmm. There's been high-intensity like, intensity moments, but nothing that's been over the top, over the limit, and mm-hmm. anything that is kind of getting towards that. I've seen commanders and PLs and everybody that's in charge of, you know, c- kind of cooling them down, telling them to take a breather. They've been doing that, and they've mm-hmm. been doing it well. I think we've lost a couple. It's been a hot, hot week. Yeah, it has been hot here so, in Charleston. I mean, sometimes it just happens, but I'm – more than pleased with how we've done so far. Are you familiar, are you pretty read up on the numbers, how many we have brought in and how many we have attrited in the couple of weeks they've been on campus? We've brought, we brought in 763. Okay. And last time I checked, our number was at 709. Okay. So that's fluctuating hour by hour, really. And that's normal. This is a difficult yeah, this proposition. Is the, the first week, first week and a half, really, is... You have a lot of kids who just know they don't want to be here. They've made up their mind. I've tried to talk some of them off the ledge, but mm-hmm. they've already made up their mind. They want to go elsewhere. And to them, good luck. And then you have some that try to make it through the first week of class, and they just realize maybe college just isn't for me. Maybe this college isn't for me. I see. And so there's you're not expecting much you more. Traditionally, there's more attrition when classes start as well. I wouldn't say more. I'd say there's a few stragglers okay. that kind of try to get to the first week, and they call their mom and dad maybe. They said, hey, I tried it. It's not for me. I need to. I would like to reassess my decision and mm-hmm. again that's their decision but then we get to like winter break and there's a couple that you know they get through the semester just to get their grades and it's not for them but the majority I mean they've been working really hard we've got some really hard dedicated kids that came in and they put out this whole week they mm-hmm. got through the heat they got through all the PT their assessment which was nearly 14 hours over on Saturday what are they what when you see their assessment what are they being assessed so an, a, how do you assess somebody for 14 hours so there's an assessment we have it on the Saturday after challenge or during challenge week. And it consists of a PT test, just like we have. So it's a mile and a half run, two minutes of hand release push-ups, as well as a three minute and 45 second plank. And we split it up half and half. They go, they do that. And then they get to go to breakfast, they get mess. And they have two hours to do this 50 question fourth class system knowledge test. And it's a, that's a test that even I had to take. And there were some questions that are are a little challenging. So it was open book for that part, just kind of familiarizing them with the white book and the blue book. And then after that, they go to lunch mess. They do another test. And this is 10 questions, and it's all stuff they should know from their guide on, which is like the holy grail when you're a nod. You learn about two, three, maybe four pages worth of knowledge that you have to know. And it's split up by week and by time block. So first week and then parents weekend, first semester, and then by rec day. Um, of knowledge you have to memorize. Right. So they went ahead to the first week, and it was questions like, what's the Cadet Creed, the honor code, the like, core values, stuff like that. So it's pretty, it's the first page of information they have to learn. Right. And then they did a MRI, which is, stands for morning room inspection. We have SMIs, which are Saturday morning inspections. 
those are a little bit more in depth. The MRIs was just to see, are they following the white book? Do they know where, like, where they're putting stuff? Do they know what goes where and how to basically decipher the pictures that are in it and how well did the cadre do teaching them mm-hmm. using the white book? Mm-hmm. As well as they had a PAI, so personal appearance inspection. They sat out there in summer leave, our white shirts with our duty pants, low quarters, cross webbing, and waist plate with their rifles. And cross webbing is the across the chest. The white cross with webbing the with center the brass. Plate. Yeah, sure. And basically did a quick inspection, kind of saw if they understood how to put the uniform together, if the cadre were teaching them effectively, which is, it's a fourth class system assessment, but really it's a big assessment of how the cadre did. Hmm. And again, I saw. Some small hiccups, you know, dirty cross webbing, the white webbing that they wear, mm. which is kind of expected that first time because you have that blue magic, which is the polish. It gets everywhere. But really, the rooms look great from what I could see. Uniforms look like they fit well, which is a problem you're trying to get ahead of this year. So I think we kind of did a good job working out the kinks that we've run into the past couple of years. It's, it's incredible to me as a, as a Marine how quickly you guys take 718-year-olds you know, just a couple of weeks, really, to get them into shape, to represent the Citadel in their uniform, to represent the Citadel in the way they think, what they know. Um, to me, that uh, that intersection of the cadre meeting these incoming knobs is, is such a critical moment for passing the torch at the Citadel. Have you seen in your four years here any changes, or have you heard from alumni of changes that are really um, significant for the better or for worse in terms of how the cadre interact with uh, incoming knobs? Everybody that I've talked to, alumni, even recent alumni, think that the professionalism that we are trying to instill into the cadre and the fourth class system itself is huge because it used to just be you'd show up and you were kind of told, hey, you're cadre, and then you got to go train these kids. There's no set system on how to do it. You weren't training the trainers. Right. There's no, there's no check how, and verify. How, how soon... How, how recent is that? I'm not, I don't have an exact timeline, okay. but from what I can tell, I've been, I've been back for cadre period since sophomore year. I was a cadre corporal. I was a regimental sergeant major last year and the regimental commander this year. And each year it seems to get a little bit more and more in depth, but it doesn't seem to take up too much free time. Like the training becomes more and more valuable and it's actually engaging the cadre. Every year it seems to get more engaging which I think is the right step we're taking. You mean engaging, mean like efficient and purposeful? Like you're not, right. you're not just, you know, quote, training for training's sake. You have a specific task and purpose? Right. Like okay. we have morning PT is how to teach the morning PT. Right. And Sergeant Major and Miss Haugen go very de- in-depth with that. And they kind of break it down and they have a week to learn it. And then you get to practice it. And there's free time now where you can go practice how to teach PT, how to teach drill, how to teach how to iron a duty things that we think are super easy every day but until you learn how to actually train someone how to do it sure it can get pretty complicated it's pretty really quickly. interesting you find that is very true as you as you as, as a pilot in the marines we have to teach people how to do it the only people that can teach are the people that just did it but teaching a skill is so different than being able to do it yourself so it's really uh really reassuring to hear that you guys recognize that that teaching is so important did you go uh, to Paris Island with the cadre, or is that just a cadre only? No, I did. So okay, everybody but the HA teams and our cadet. HA is who? Human, uh, human I, I affairs. Know. Okay, just for the audience. Our human affairs sure. teams and then our cadet chaplains stayed okay. back because they have training they had to do, and it was a cadre, 
all the like support staff that was here on the third of August. And this, by the way, this is a relatively new development, having the cadre go train off site. Right. It's every other year. It's every even year. Class of nineteen seventy endowed this okay. as a thing that they do now. So every other year, we get the chance to. Yeah, you know, so I went my sophomore year, and then I went this year. Right. And was and that the first time your sophomore year? Was that the first time they did that? I don't think so. Okay. I want to say they did it at least once or twice before. So this is not this is not a new Colonel Gordon implemented no, thing. I don't, okay. Right. I don't believe so. I could be wrong. Okay. But we went my sophomore year. Don't really remember. We kind of did the same activities. You do mm-hmm. the fuel sticks where you get in your gear and basically, you know, you fight, quote unquote, fight your classmates or somebody right. with the fuel sticks. It kind of teaches you like intensity and how to pace yourself. Uh, you do the obstacle courses, um, or the confidence courses, I should mm-hmm. say, which kind of teaches you know. It's all about having empathy. That's the message that we were pushing that whole time, which is kind of you know understanding that these kids are coming into a whole new system. Like none of us have ever gone to Paris Island and actually gone to like do any of that unless you were here your sophomore year. Right. And even then, it's a new challenge every time because the weather changes. I mean, last time it was raining. This time it was. 95 degrees and sunny right and it's all about adapting to your you know your surroundings and getting used to it and being able to say well this this might not be the funnest thing we've done in the world but at least we can try to learn from it try to learn a new experience Um, my part in that as a senior I saw my sophomore year was a lot of the seniors let the sophomores and juniors take charge and lead it and at first I kind of thought oh they're just going to do their quote-unquote job but over time I started to see that they're trying to help develop their sophomores and juniors into actually taking leadership and take accountability. So I think that's a big thing that I kind of tried to do this year. I went back to my home company of Alpha and I let their company commander and their first sergeant completely run the accountability and do everything. And if they had any questions and they wanted to ask me, that's fine. But I wasn't going to step in and take charge and run the show. It's not my company anymore. And I want them to be able to take charge and, you know, learn how, what works for them. One of the purposes of this entire podcast is you know, the Citadel's got big walls around it, and often it's difficult to communicate to the outside world um, or to communicate even to our own alumni what is going on inside here, how we're training principal leaders. So it's supposed to be a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how we train principal leaders. And the fact that you are talking about empathy as a key component to reducing the shock of arriving at the Citadel and, and, and integrating with this new culture I mean, that probably sounds so foreign to somebody that graduated here in the 1960s or 1970s. I don't think empathy was really high on the, uh, on the charts. And I think people will be surprised to find that that is, a professional, um, that is a professional attitude of training your people that you'd find in the federal services. And it's really heartening to hear that that is a message that's being pushed down to the Corps of Cadets today. Right. That's more commentary than a question. But uh, I just have to say, I think that's, uh, that's terrific. What if some, you know, besides the heat, what are some of the other challenges you've seen of, of this particular class? I mean, we're sort of past COVID by several years. Do you see any of the, um, of the lingering effects of that or just some generational differences from even the time you came through? I wouldn't say any linger, lingering effects from COVID. Mm-hmm. Maybe some generational effects, but I would say it's just some of them get in their own head. Mm-hmm. They're very quick to start casting self-doubt and taking what the cadre say and just thinking that is the the God's honest truth. When in reality, it's sometimes your cadre is trying to tell you how to te- teach how to do something else and it, you might not be taking it that way. Or they're 
not really comprehending what the cadre is saying, and they're taking it, and they're kind of twisting it in their own head, and they get in their own head. And so when it comes to struggles, I mean, everybody struggles when they first get here with certain things, whether that's your PT or your uniform or the military-bearing part of it or even your academics. But I think this first week is just a shock factor. And a lot of those kids have never faced anything like this before. I know I didn't, and I had... I had I knew what to expect. My girlfriend's brother went here. Her uncle, his dad, and his brother went here. Okay. So I come. I knew exactly what to expect, and I still was shocked. Yeah. So some of these kids showed up with no knowledge, and they're still trying to adapt to it, and it's all fast paced. I don't think a lot of these kids have ever faced something that is so rigorous and so go go go, and then it's every day. It's not yeah. just one day and then you take a break. One day take a break. It's seven days straight of hard work, getting ready to go, and then at the end of it, it's kind of like, oh, wait, we're done with this week. What's next? I think it's kind of a the nervousness and the anxiousness is what's driving some of these kids. Sure. Well, let, let's get in the way back machine. I mean, there was a time when you matriculated here right. as a knob. You know, you, you, I'm sure that develops some empathy. You've been through this before. Let, let's talk a little bit about your trajectory. You're sort of top of the heap here as the regimental commander. Um how did it start for you? What are a few stark memories from your freshman year, and uh, and how did you how did you decide that hey I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing to, to, to be a leader in the Corps of Cadets? So, I decided to come to the Citadel my junior year. From where? Where are you from? I'm from Waxhaw, North Carolina. Okay. And then I came down when I was a senior, and I saw Ring Day, where their seniors get their rings and they take their pictures, and you know that's a moment they all work four years for. So I remember seeing that, and I saw the glitz and glam, and I was like, oh, this is great. So I did my pre-nob and <laughs> saw that, and luckily I was in, again, just by luck of the draw, my girlfriend's brother's company, a kilo company, and applied, I think, the week before or after ring day, and I found out less than a month later. Didn't put in a single application anywhere else. Hmm. Was dead set, out of state, didn't have a contract, didn't have a scholarship. I was ready to go. Um, got to about, I want to say February, early March. And COVID kind of put a damper in my senior year. So I matriculated with the COVID class. Oh, boy. So that entailed, we just pulled up, and all of my stuff is in the back of the truck. And I got out of the car, and I didn't. my family didn't move anything in. I didn't touch anything. The upperclassmen that were out there were moving stuff to my room, and I just booked it straight in, and I was matriculating right in. There was huh. no, you know, oh, you can uh, move your stuff in, have 15 minutes with your fa- parents. It was get in. Get changed. We're taking your haircut, and it kind of went in waves. So, I think the shock factor started right away with that. I obviously knew that wasn't the cadre yet. I already been briefed or told about that. You know, people you meet at first, they're not your cadre. They'll they'll come later. So I think it was that was what I was nervous for. I was anxious to meet my cadre, kind of sure. see what was going on. And being part of the COVID class, we didn't have the normal twenty one companies and the twenty and the five different battalions. It was all separated by two battalions, second and fourth. So I lived behind Romeo Company on the third division, or the fir- third floor, but I was in Lima Company. And Romeo lived above us, and Palmetto Battery lived below us. So it was just a really weird year, and none of us knew any different, and Lee was rare at first. I don't think we left for the first month or so, right. just because of COVID, and they were trying to keep us safe. And it was just a shock factor all in, of it, in, and, all, in and of itself. Sure. Um, it was a good year. I made some of my best friends that year. Uh, sadly, not sadly, I think I'm actually looking back on it, glad that we did the shuffle. I got moved into Alpha Company, but throughout my knob year, it was just 
kind of overcoming all the adversities, kind of coming all the struggles. I wasn't the most athletic kid. I wasn't the most in shape. I didn't, was not the smartest kid in high school. Yeah. But all I got when I got here is kind of being preached, put everything you have into everything you've got. You know, academics, your military, your character, your conduct. Don't, you know, mess around. Don't take this as, oh, it's just another college. This is, this is a different college. This is where you learn a lot about yourself and what you can handle. And I think I took that and really encompassed that into what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, had a great senior mentor. He was our cadre PL. Um, actually went to his wedding last year. All right. We are, I still talk to him pretty regularly, but after my freshman year, I was dead set. I'm going to be the cadre PL when I become a senior. <laughs> I want to be the cadre PL. So I got cadre my sophomore year. Super excited. Went over to Alpha Company. Was clerk second semester, and then I just was dead set on being the cadre PSG or the platoon sergeant, which is the highest ranking cadre member on in junior class. On, in the is company. that because you saw the value of that cadre training? I mean, or is it just because that's the highest? Well, that was because my mainly because my senior mentor. I, I saw see. how he kind of approached it and what he did, and I was I saw a lot of good mentorship and a lot of good leadership in that, and I was like, oh, okay, I want to be just like that. Yeah. And I went into my rank board or how you get picked yeah. to go up for ranks, and Sergeant Major Moffitt, who was our battalion TAC NCO, and Major Seitzma were not giving me cadre PSG. They said I was shooting low, and they wanted me to do something higher, so I went out for a regimental sergeant major, battalion sergeant major, and company first sergeant. Somehow landed regimental sergeant major, yeah. um, worked hand-in-hand with Brandon sure. Johnson last year as regimental commander, as well yeah. as Patrick Cherry, yeah, the sure. deputy. I love those guys. And... Yeah, great guys, and really learned a lot from them. And I think had I not done the shuffle and had I not been moved to Alpha Company, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. They're reminding me to check in on Brandon. Oh, yeah. I He's texting me on. pretty regularly. Good, good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's talk. Yeah, we only got a couple more minutes here. Um, you know, as the, sometimes the folks who really succeed here, you know, uh, are, they really represent the Citadel out in the world in a beautiful way. Um, it can sometimes feel like there are cadets who keep their head down, don't want to be seen, you know, they kind of hide out. And to me, that's a strange phenomenon for such an awesome school like the Citadel. Is there any thought about addressing how to get those folks to sort of be further? Is it sort of like, is it is it lost cause or is it just something that's a natural byproduct of a rank structure? Or is there anything you know, this, the college can do to address this, uh, the, the lost sheep? I wouldn't call them lost sheep. I think a lot of these, those people that are, maybe they're not gung-ho about rank or the clubs we have here, but they're exceptional in the classroom, in their ROTC departments, NCAA sports. I think they kind of put their focus towards those other things, and they're not so boastful about, you know, maybe their rank or... So what you think, you, what you're saying is it's almost... Every senior finds a niche. Or finds oh, a everybody home. finds a niche okay. here, whether that's your friend group or yeah. whether that's your academics or a club. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's Fair something enough. really here for everybody. But All right. I would say most of the people I know that are here that, you know, they claim they don't like the school, they don't want to be here anymore after, or they're so excited to graduate, they're going to be the same people that 5, 10, 15 years from now are still talking to their classmates. Sure. That's sure. really what you gain out of this place is the connections with your classmates and with the alumni, your upperclassmen, your, you know, the ones that you lead, whatever, whatever niche you find. I think that's the biggest thing. Two more questions for you before we wrap up. One is, if you could wave a magic wand 
and change one thing about this place to make it just so much better even than it is today, what would you do? That's a hard question. I really I think I feel like you have an answer right in the front of your brain that you don't want to say out loud. But I'm super curious what that might be. It's I mean, not the shuffle. It's not family mess. Shuffle's not... gone. I like family mess in the morning, but at the same time, just not realistic with how our classes are structured yeah. anymore. All right. Um, so you think we're good? You think the program's good? I think there's definitely tweaks. I definitely think there's things that could be changed, but I can't really put my finger on one exact thing that I want everybody to right. change. Last one. What do you uh, What do you hope to accomplish? Is there any specific goal um, or thing that you're excited about? You're obviously going to be a great steward of the Corps of Cadets, but as the top dog, is there any rudder adjustment and rudder steer you'd like to make for the Corps of Cadets in your time in the seat? I would really like to start, like Brandon, I think, kind of started turning the wheel about the professionalism, getting it moving that way, and I think we're doing a great job getting it, but I think it's kind of explaining what professionalism actually means. It doesn't mean you have to be coddling anybody and showing them, you know, like favoritism. You can still be stern and intense with the system, and teach them discipline and structure, but you don't have to be, you know, over the top about it. You never have to cross that fine line that could get you anybody in trouble. I think sure. kind of just straightening out that wheel and kind of setting us on a straight path of professionalism, but not coddling, but at the same time not being toxic leaders. Yeah. Just kind of staying right in the middle and keep yelling. Be intense, be stern, but never get to the point where you're being a toxic leader and you're driving people out of this place. What are you going to do when you graduate? I am a supply chain management major, um, so I'd like to work down here in Charleston. Okay. I mean, we have great ports. Savannah's yes, a place do. I'm super interested in as well, um, but I haven't really looked into yeah. it super uh, too much. I worked up in Chesapeake for Ray's Beverage Group this past summer, which is one of the largest or the largest. So you're looking for a job. So we got to publish this podcast and have people hear how articulate you are and get you hired here in Charleston. I would love to stay in Charleston if yeah. everybody's... we got an awesome career services department. Another, <laughs> hey, the Corps Cadets is lucky to have you. It's a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much, sir. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. You can find us online, and we welcome your feedback and suggestions on who you, our audience, would like to hear from in future episodes. Thank you for your time today. We hope you'll join us here again soon for another episode of Leadership on Demand.